We're at Galatians chapter 4. Uh, and continue in our series. The, uh, Galatians chapter 4. We've already seen some introduction in Galatians. The problem in Galatians is allowing... Uh, some people in the church that were teaching a false gospel. Uh, they were trying to pull back some of the Jewish law and uh, equate it with salvation. And all the way back in chapter 1 at the beginning, Paul got on these, these churches in Galatians, multiple churches. This was a regional issue. It wasn't written to just one church. But they uh, they were they were looking into things that were and and believing and and listening to people that were saying they had to do acts of the law and add that to salvation, equating it with some of the old Jewish traditions. Paul is explaining throughout Galatians that. This idea, that's not, this is not how you got saved. How can you listen to this stuff? If anyone tells you something different than what we taught you through Christ, it's wrong. They should be a curse. Paul even included angels in that. And uh, so the, the, uh, so he's been clarifying the last couple of chapters. Hey, there's a difference here um, about what we do in the flesh versus um, salvation. Uh, amen. If you if you are going to attempt to follow the law to get to heaven, you have to follow every single bit of the law 100% of the time uh, or to even have a chance. It doesn't work. God gave the gift of salvation. That's why Christ died. So Paul is reminding them what they got when they got saved. Uh, Paul is reminding them how whether their security is. Paul's reminding them what the gospel really is about here in Galatians, and that you cannot add works to it. That's not what it what uh, what saves. And anyone that says anything different is teaching false doctrine. We'll, we'll elaborate a little bit more on that coming up in chapter 4, and then uh, um, we're, we're going to get into chapter 5 next week. Uh, so some of my uh, my favorite verses are in chapter 5 that that uh, deal with some of this stuff. But uh, in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 1 uh, through 3 we'll read, Now I say that the heir... As long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, uh, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. And uh, so, a couple of things going on here is explaining, first of all, heir, when we're adopted by Christ, that'll come up again a few verses later, Romans chapter 8, when we got saved, it was like we got adopted, we're children of God, and and uh, I believe verse 9, and 7, 9, a couple of places here refers to us as like his children, but... Um, we'll, we'll circle back to that when we get to those verses. Uh, verse 1 and 3, it talks about as a child, they're no different than a servant. Um, that does not mean that the father, if uh, imagine somebody, go back to Abraham, some of the people in the Bible on earth, somebody, somebody's very wealthy. Maybe they have houses and property and lands to work, things that hire servants. What this is saying, it does not mean that the fa that father does not care about his 
child, what that means is in their understanding and learning and responsibility and, and that, that growth as a child grows and learns obedience and learns how to function in life and, and, and learns those things, it said they're the same as a servant. They may have to do work so they know what it's like to work. Uh, they may need to learn in, in a case where maybe a, a farmer or, or to now more modern, last, I don't know, a couple hundred years, we'll say in America, maybe somebody out west that has a ranch per, or something. A, a child would have to learn how to do that work. So one day when they inherit that land and they become the owner, if you will, of all that land and property and they're running the business and the service, they need to know how it works. Uh, they need to know how to get things done. They need to know how things happen and what the job is and, and, and understand it. And, and uh, so well, what he's saying here is, is that learning time as a child. Well, so when we first get saved spiritually, we're like that child. And we have to learn the word of God and we have to learn how to have a relationship with God and we have to learn those things, those actions in the flesh, those physical actions as we learn and, and to some degree may be controlled that God puts parameters and things in the Bible to, to say, hey, we need to take guard against and, and do those things are there for our learning and for our development as a spiritual child so that when we get older and, and grow in Christ, we can do more for God. Um, one example, it's mentioned here in the, in the flood, they're heir, but they defer, um, let's see, nothing different from a servant um, under two. Even so, verse three, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Now notice that if it's under elements of the world, but it says that a child is a place to grow out of that. This is talking about our spiritual life. This does not mean that we grow to a place in adulthood in this world that we can never follow. We don't have to follow any rule ever and nobody ever tells us anything to do again. Or, or and It's not what that's talking about. This is talking about the spiritual matters. Remember the issue at hand in Galatians was people adding works to salvation. And so what he's explaining in verse 3, um, a good example, he said, even so when we were children, they were children, were in bondage under um, elements of the world. Bow the way back up, if you take go back into Exodus, when Israel came out of Egypt, the reason for the law, we talk about the law, and sometimes we get referred to the law, well, the law was, hey, they had to give a sacrifice and, and for the, to forgive their sins, and, and people get all that mixed up and add salvation to that. And the law in the Old Testament, when you look at Israel, was, was a, a, an, an all-inclusive law. God told Israel how to interact with him, those sacrifices, things to do with the temple, uh, all that was about their relationship with God. But the law also encompassed how to deal with um, suing that neighbor, how to deal with land disputes, how to deal with getting along with people, how to, how to deal with hygiene, how to wash your hands, how to, how to, uh, um, I, I mean, taking care of those kinds of things. Literally every part of their life was laid out as they came out of Egypt. They disobeyed God in the sense of not being able to go into, um, Canaan 
quicker and uh, because they didn't trust God. Now they're wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. So they, they all, all started out of disobedience. They didn't go in. They didn't believe God enough to go take that promised land. And God said, you're going to stay here until that generation dies off. That's when God gave them the law to become a society. To, to become how to operate, how to work with people, how to learn. So in a sense, like this verse says, they were still God's people. Um, they, they were, if they believed salvation sense, they were children of God, but they were God's chosen people. In the sense of being Israel, they were God's children, and for sake of example. And uh, so they, they had, even though they were God's children, God had to put them in bondage under the elements of this world to control their actions because they didn't trust God enough to figure out to obey God and have that relationship with God and trust how to figure it out on himself with discernment that we've been talking about for several weeks. That that to get it. So God had to put them under a physical bondage in a sense. Now it's not the same bondage as they were in Egypt and slaves. And slaves, they had no decision. They had no, all they had was misery. All they had was work. God put boundaries on them. It's still a bondage in the flesh, but it was, uh, it was to help them because, hey, you're acting like a child. You need to grow. You need to learn some things until you learn and pass on to generation to generation to generation. And it obviously it took a long time before um, Jesus decided to come that opened up the New Testament that, hey, now we can start letting up. God decided that, hey, he's going to start changing some of that um, bondage element in the world. And uh, verse four, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. So God's timing was perfect for when Jesus came. God knew, but Jesus was born. Remember when Jesus was alive, the, the law, if you will, was so practiced. Now, we, they had a generation at that time of the Pharisees that we see in the Bible that, that were so consumed with the fleshly actions of the law that they didn't even comprehend what it meant spiritually. They, they didn't comprehend that it really was pointing to Christ. Uh, they didn't comprehend the purpose of God giving them the law in the first place. They hadn't grown to that sense, but Jesus was born under the law. And we see a few examples of that. One is, is the, the, the birth few days later, going to the priest, the, the, and, and the circumcision process. And then, the, as he grew and dealt with the healing people, um, he healed the leopards and told them they had to go show the priest and uh, deal with that. They were still under the law. And uh, they, they were still under that time, and Jesus came to free people and or that adoption to say, hey, this was about me. Uh, Hebrews is a good book to prove all that, how it all ties together. But Jesus said, hey, he's come to fulfill that law so that we're not under the physical bondage to control us. Now we get saved and we have the Holy Spirit living in us with the completed word of God today that we can have what God wants for us and we can learn that. Uh, verse six, and because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. 
And uh, so because we're sons, we're adopted. Back to Romans chapter 8, we've had that adoption. So we're adopted children of God through salvation. It is. Notice the phrase here also. Um, it sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart. And uh, so I, I, sometimes we get criticism that people try to over analyze what they think the doctrine of salvation is. And, and, and I'll admit that sometimes there's parts. Hey, if God did it, there's a miracle there that we can't understand every aspect. And, it's, and that's where the belief and trust, that's where faith comes in. And, and uh, so, so we understand trying to explain that sometimes if we're not careful, we can get into some dangerous ground. And again, I've heard all kinds of crazy things uh, just about the word. People don't like wording we use sometimes or, or, uh, or uh, um, say that um, I've heard people say you're really not saved by asking Jesus into your heart or, or all, all these kind of crazy things out there. Listen, it said, hey, if we're adopted, we're sons, and we have the, it says, we sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. And uh, so, and uh, and worry about that. If we get saved, uh, Jesus, of course, the person of God that's in our hearts, the Bible says the Holy Spirit, but uh, we saying Jesus came into our heart is not wrong. It is biblical. That's how God works. But that that's it. The point of this, though, because we're sons, because we've been adopted, uh, because we're child child of God, the first several chapters of Galatians explained, told, reminded them what they did to get saved, and uh, so we have this foundation that we're we're uh, updated. Verse seven: Wherefore thou art no more servant, but a son. In other words, I'm talking about the position, not that a child, again, that, that rich man example, a person, a child is born, it's his child. Um, it doesn't change that father's love. It doesn't change talking about their growth. It's talking about their, they're, they're at some point, they're treated like a servant. Hey, child, you need to do that. You need to learn how to work in the, in the business. You need to learn the education. You need to learn whatever it is, the child's learning. So in that sense, under the law, this is what you do. This is where you need to be. This is what you go. At some point, what, the, what this is applying is that, hey, now, now you're past that growth. Now you're looked at as the son versus a servant. You, 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 you've grown past those little needs. You've grown past those, those times where we have to tell you everything to do. You've grown past those times that, that, uh, that, that all the, all the learning. Yes, you should still be learning, but, but uh, so it's, it's now an heir, a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Uh, verse eight, how be it then? When you knew not God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. And uh, it's just referring to man or religion. He said, hey, when you didn't know God, you served man. When you didn't know God, you were in your, your culture traditions. When you didn't know God, you followed the false religions. Uh, when you didn't know God, uh, you were at the mercy of man because your flesh was the only thing to be controlled. So in the verse 9, but now after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly clements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? 
And uh, so Mercedes K, hey, wait a minute. So you know God. He said, when you didn't know God, you were under the bondage of man completely. When you didn't know God, you were under the, the religious traditions, superstitions, depending on if this is a Greek culture and depends on exactly where people were. But he said, you were under these bondages. You were under these things of man, as it said, as it said under um, ye did service unto them, which by nature were no gods. Little, that's little g God. And uh, he said, he said they're, they're, they're not. It's referring to man and the man system. He said, you're in the body. He said, now, he said, you got saved. You came out of that. You understood God has something better for you. Uh, you understand you're a child of God. You've been adopted. You're on your way to heaven. Uh, you have the word of God. Uh, you know the truth. And you're under, out of that bondage. And he said, now you're desiring to go back to that bondage? Yeah, you come out of that. You sense that liberty and freedom. And now you want to go back to it? He's throwing that... Question out, ye observe days and months and times and years. Verse 11, I am afraid of you, and uh, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. That doesn't mean he fears them as people. He said, I'm afraid of you. Or in context, we would say today, for you. I'm, I'm afraid of you, of where you're going. I'm afraid of what you're thinking. I'm afraid of your direction here. Uh, as you're going, he said, and they said, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Said, and said, in other words, saying, everything I've helped you and done for you and taught you and preached to you and showed you the word of God, it's been in vain. Um, and that's my fear. Now, Paul was not being arrogant or selfish or complaining about his work. What he's saying here, he's trying to give them the encouragement of, he said, man, everything that's been done, everything that's been taught, if, if you don't understand this, it's all been in vain. And uh, he, he, he was putting it on them, not trying to build up himself there. Um, verse uh, 12 also said, Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are. Uh, ye have not injured me at all. In other words, not personal. You've not offended me. He said when he said it's in my labor's in vain, he, he's not saying it's about me. He's saying, he's saying, hey, I, I'm concerned that you're not getting this. And uh, that, uh, so it's not, so th um, verse 13, and uh, you know how through infirmity of flesh, I preached the gospel unto you at first. And in other words, all the infirmity of flesh, the, the, the shipwrecks, the beatings, the toy, the wrath, the, all the issues he came to get this region, the gospel. Um, he's saying infirmity. And my temptation, verse 14, which was in my flesh, ye despise not, nor rejected, but received me, received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. He's saying, even though I went through all that, you didn't reject me. In other words, today, so, all through time, it's always happened. Someone stands up for truth. Uh, someone stands up for the word of God. Someone stands for righteousness, and 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 somebody tries to take a stand for right, and 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 try to help people. And it seems like people come out of the woodwork to attack and tell them they're wrong. If you go against the the, the 
common uh, uh, thinking out there. You go against the peer pressure. You will go against what the world is saying. Many times you're going to be the one that's got an outcast. What Paul's saying here, he said, even though I've had all that, even though other people have rejected, I, I've been beaten, shipwrecked, arrested, um, and, and, and that sense of an outcast, he said, you've not rejected me. You've accepted me. He said, even the point, even as Christ Jesus. That it, in other words, he's implying that you've accepted me just like you've accepted Christ. If it was Christ here, you'd accept, you've accepted me the same way. And uh, so, verse 15, now where is then the blessedness, blessedness he spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and had given them to, given them to me. He said, if I had something wrong with my eyes, he said, you, you take, if you if it was possible to do it, he said, you guys accepted me and loved me so much that you'd even pluck your own eyes out and give them to me. And I can see that these are the kind of people these are. So that, that's, that's the thing. So these people are not um, bad people. Uh, they're, they're not crazy people. They're not, they're, they're good people. They want to do right, but they've allowed some false teachers to come in and, and mess with them in, in, the, within the word of God. The gospel is simple. Believe in Christ. <laughs> and, and, uh, it's not. Jesus did the hard part. Jesus is the one that paid the price for me. Jesus is the one that died on the cross and shed his blood. Jesus is the one that was able to raise himself from the dead and pay my price for my sin so that I could accept the free gift from God and have eternal life. Je Jesus did that part. And, uh, I, it's, it's not on me to do an action in my flesh to get saved. So Paul's saying, hey, you guys are good people, man. You've accepted me. You've not worried about that other people kind of had a, had a, uh, uh, an, an image of me or, or, or rejected me. You, you've not been concerned about where I've been. You've accepted the truth. You brought me in just like you brought in Christ. Um, you, you would do crazy things to help me. And, uh, you, you'd give me, he said, it, that being said, verse 16, he said, am I, Therefore, become your enemy because I tell you the truth. He said, yeah, they're good people. They mean well. But am I going to be your enemy now because I'm telling you the truth? Because people want to accept and people want to bring things in. And they said, verse 17, I'll add a step to that. They zealously affect you, but not well. In other words, it's not for good. Yea, they would exclude you that ye might affect them. So we have a couple of things. He said, here, you guys are good people, but he said, am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? And he said, these people are coming in. He said, they're zealous about affecting you. They're zealous trying to change you. They're zealous trying to get their false teaching in. They're zealous about getting it. But he said, they separate you. He said, they're going to isolate you. He said, they would exclude you that ye might affect them. In other words, that's a big sign of false teaching. That's a big sign of of uh, the, the of of people that that are almost cult like um, that that they want they know they're wrong they have an agenda and uh, that's why um, I, I'm against things that don't line up with the Bible like like the, some of the crowds in Calvinism and 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 the dispensationalism and and the things there's people teaching and and trying to give false teaching in that that want to change the gospel. And as they try to change the gospel, 
They say, you say, well, the Bible says this. And they don't want to hear it. I can, this verse says something's proved them wrong. I don't want to hear that. Um, they, they don't, they don't want to pay attention to the truth. They will not allow me to affect them, but they want to go out of their way to try to change my mind when I have scripture to back up what we're teaching. Now that's, that's a big sign of a false teacher. Um, that's a, that's a sign of somebody that they, they don't want, they don't want any influence that would be good and change them because they're stuck in their mindset. Now, this is, I'm not talking about taking a stand for truth. I'm not talking about taking a stand for what's right. I'm not talking about what I'm talking about is I shouldn't let false teachers affect me. If somebody has an argument, they think they have scripture, I might be able to listen for a minute. Once I realize what they're saying doesn't match up, I say, wait a minute, hey, well, we can't go there. This is what the Bible says. If they want to listen, fine, maybe I can help them. If not, uh, they're done, that's gone. What this is talking about is, is just the attitude of, hey, we, we go against uh, the word of God and they're trying to add to the word of God, and uh, but they won't listen to scripture even though you have the scripture to prove right and prove what God said and, and know you're right. Keep standing for truth. But they, they want to affect. They want to try to push in and uh, they don't want to listen to what the real truth is. And uh, so um, they, uh, but it is good, verse 18, to be zealously affected always in a good thing. And not only when I am present with you, he said, we should be zealously affected, but in good things, not, not the false teaching. 19, my children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. And uh, he's talking about the spiritual birth and, and Jesus growing in Christ. And uh, there, then he makes this comment. He said, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice for I stand in doubt of you. So you in other words, he's telling these churches, you guys letting these people in. He said, I, I'm kind of doubting your growth right now. Um, and it didn't help. Of course, that was the purpose of this letter. And uh, verse 21, tell me that you desire to be under the law. Do ye, do ye not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons. The one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. <clears throat> he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory? For these things are two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar, for this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answered to Jerusalem, which now is and is in the bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, which is above is free, which is the mother of us all for is it is written, rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry thou that travailest not for the desolate hath many more children than she which hath a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he 
that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. Even so it is now. Nevertheless, that saith the scripture, cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. What he's explaining is using the example of uh, when, when Abraham, God promised Isaac, he sped up, he did things on his own, he did things in their own way, and he had a son, Ishmael, and uh, my servant. So that's example. Paul is using that as a spiritual example here. Uh, Paul's using, he said, hey, he, he said there was one that was by promise. Um, Isaac was born out of the promise of God. Um, Ishmael was born because Abraham acted in the flesh. A couple problems there. First of all, that he did it in the flesh. That, that some people would say is a good thing or think they're getting the will of God by doing it on their own way or, or their own account or they don't, it gets in the flesh even though they think it's a good thing, even though it wasn't God's plan. And then he said, he said, which, he said one was under the bond, one wasn't. And, uh, um, but notice he said too that the verse 29, but as he was born after the flesh, persecuted um, him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. And uh, so that's speaking to those people, groups of people fighting, but still it's the, uh, the, the spiritual, we can't have the spiritual in the flesh. We're trapped in this flesh, but we need to understand the difference so we can battle it. Um, many times we put too many things at the beginning of the chapter talked about that, that we think we're putting good, like many church will preach on things that we should do that are good things. Sometimes we call them standards. Maybe it has to do with how we dress. Maybe it has to do with places we go. Uh, maybe it has to do with entertainment. Maybe all those things that we call a standard. Um, they, they may be a good thing, and we maybe should do every single one of them. And we should be right. But we have to understand that I'm not more spiritual because of what I put on the flesh. Those actions need to come out of a right spirit with God and let God work in my life and let God grow me and let God do that work work. And because I love God, I want people in the world to see I'm a child of God. So I do those things so that I can be a witness for the cause of Christ. And uh, we, but when, when we get it backwards and start pushing the flesh and the flesh and the flesh, even when it's unintentional, even when it, when it means good, we think we have a good thing. Well, if, if you're right with God, you should do. Well, that may be 100% correct. But until that person gets right with God, I'm not worried about dealing with the flesh because they, they need, they're going to get it all backwards. And uh, you have to deal with the heart. And uh, that, that issue here talks about the, the idea, which, which, um, um, Isaac, of course, it became, it was the nation of Israel and Ishmael's eye was, was some of the Arab and, and today a lot of the Muslim and, and, uh, culturally there, there, there's still those battles today. That's where Paul said, is that even, even as it is today or even so today that, that they're fighting. If we, if we don't get this thing figured out and understand the difference between, uh, as Paul uses this as a, as an example here, that we have a spiritual side. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm sealed in Christ. I'm a child of God. That can't change uh, no matter what happens. But I need to understand that, yeah, I still got to deal with things in my flesh. 
But I have to deal with them from the right perspective. I have to deal with them from the right direction. And anytime someone puts a fleshly action and tries to tie it with salvation, even I call this backdoor work stuff, saying, well, you have to turn from your sin to get saved, or you have to, man, if you were really saved, you wouldn't do, or, or, or do, do this, or if you're still acting that way, maybe you really didn't get saved, or, or, or all, all these things are like, man, well, if we're tying the flesh, uh, to what I believe in the spirit, there's something wrong. Now, once I get that settled, then I go back and I need to grow, as, as the chapter explained, as a child being the equivalent to a servant. I need to spend that time with God and growth and learning and, and discipleship and, and, and in spiritual walk with God and, and let the Holy Spirit work in my life so that I can get past that childhood stage of spirituality and get to a place where I can act like I'm a son of God and make those decisions out of discernment for myself based on the word of God and guess what? All those things that we used to preach on the flesh to do were good things, but now I've gotten to a place because I've allowed myself to grow as a child spiritually, and I've allowed myself to grow in Christ, and I've allowed myself to let those things work, and I allowed the Holy Spirit to work in my heart, and I allowed God to do that work in me as I grew, and I got out of that childhood spiritual stage, and now I'm becoming adult. Now I can be recognized as a son of God. That's not working for salvation. I'm saying recognize that where other people can start noticing because I want to live for God and because I'm a child of God my flesh will start showing signs of where I'm at in my Christian life and uh, it's not but when we start putting those flesh things on first um, we're going to get it backwards and we're going to have that battle even harder that we already have between the spiritual and the flesh and understand there has to be um, we have, we're going to have that battle. We need to have that battle. But we have to have the right tools to have that battle. We have to have the right plan for that battle. Uh, we have to know that I'm doing it right under the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and battle it right. Otherwise, we, we end up some of the old pagan or cult-like religions that just put, hey, I, I'm doing this. They make themselves feel better because they want to um, um, torture themselves or, or, or oppress themselves and, and, and force things on themselves because somehow uh, that extreme discipline is going to make them more spiritual. And, uh, and on the flesh, you can't put that on the flesh. It has to be the discipline in the spirit of God first. And understand, I'm saved because of my trusting God. That's it. I'm saved because of what Christ did on the cross and I accepted the free gift. And, and that's made me saved. Now, as a, as a child of God, there's a growth time and there's a time to grow and keep growing and continue growing so that those things will start affecting my life. And I'll put those things on my flesh on my own through the work of the Holy Spirit and through the word of God convicting me and that the rest of the world can now recognize me as a son of God. That's the goal. But to put those things that should be recognized as Son of God as a condition of salvation is wrong, and that is work salvation. And that is what Paul is preaching against in Galatians to um, take care of that. He said, you guys got to get this thing right. Anything else messing with salvation is wrong, and it's going to mess you up, and it's going to confuse you at best. Um, but you start preaching false doctrine, 
you're going to try to get to people and you think you're helping when you're not helping. They're not coming to salvation because you're giving a false gospel. And uh, so Paul is trying to help these people understand that, hey, you got it. You were there. You believed me. You believed the preaching. You believed the word of God. You accepted Christ. And now you want to go back into bondage under under re religion restrictions? That, that's, not, that's, not, that's not what the Bible says. So Paul is trying to help them understand what, what the liberty, we'll get into that next week in chapter 5, with the, with the uh, maybe two weeks, next week is, uh, um, but, but uh, we, when we continue, chapter 5, we'll get into that a little bit, about what, that, what the liberty means and Christ, and then this thing about the gospel. And uh, so with that, let's close. We'll stand, close in prayer. God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for this time in your word. God, I pray that you'll help us to understand that what we got is so big um, that we can count on it, count on you and uh, what you've given us. God, I thank you for it, that uh, because of your salvation, as uh, um you said that we can have that peace that passes all understanding. God, I pray that you'll help us, God, and encourage us, give us strength and boldness as we go serve you this week. In Jesus' name, amen.